MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by the D-Gen Dance. Our March Madness bankroll contest is back. It's free to enter and there's $1,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs. Plus, we got the first half unders bingo going on as well. Enter both contests on the SGPN app. Hi, ho DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, Network, episode 309. We're going to send this one out to Turnip, not just a vegetable that people tend to hate, but also somebody in our SGPN Discord who hit one of my favorite props last night, which was Sender Megamedov lands at least one takedown. You always bet on Sender Megamedov to get a takedown. So this episode goes up to Turnip. And once again, if you're not in the Discord, you can join me in there at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Who would I be? I am Daniel Gumby Freeland, the host of this here podcast. You might be used to hearing Jeff Chalks Fox kick off the episode each and every week. But as you've noticed the last couple of episodes, he's been missing in action. And in his place, I am taking over the lead role and joining me to talk about some of these fights that we will be recapping and perhaps... Didn't look all that good at picking this week uh, is my temporary partner in crime, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, I'm going to start by asking you a question. We didn't do so well picking these fights, but was it at least like a weirdly entertaining night of fights? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you're having me back on because I was actually riding pretty high after UFC 285. I think I went like 11 and 3 feeling good about myself and then i just got crushed on this card but yeah man i mean top to bottom it was actually a pretty pretty solid card there was a couple guys that shined a couple guys that shined i didn't expect to shine um like they did and then obviously the main event was awesome so yeah it was a really really fun card yeah even though the main event was one-sided and i I feel like that's you know that's usually where we start and that's probably where we'll start right now even though the main event was one-sided it still had like a high entertainment factor right like it wasn't like it was a super boring main event. It wasn't like, you know, even being one-sided, you were like, man, this is filled with action. The guy shot 49 takedowns, um, which is just an absolute ridiculous number. So um, yeah. And and, I mean, you buried, we buried the lead a little bit here, but uh, yeah, Kurt's official numbers on the night, five of eight uh, overall, not, not particularly great. Me a little bit worse, uh, four and nine on the night. So uh uh, not good performances overall. I did hit my lock. That is a continued run that I'm on. If you look at my locks, I am now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and one uh, over the year on locks. So that kept that up a little bit. But apart from that, uh, not particularly great. So let's get back to talking uh, about Marab Devalashvili versus Piotr Jan. 49 takedowns. And I think I said, you know, not 49 takedowns, 49 takedown attempts. I think I said when we were we were breaking this down. I said, I don't think he could out cardio Piotr Jan with his, you know, he shoots 15 takedowns a, a fight is, was the number that we were quoted. I didn't think he could out cardio and outwork Piotr Jan, but 
here we are straight across the board, 50, 45s. And do you think it was more of the cardio or like the way he mixed stuff together? I think it was a bit of a mixture of everything, honestly. I mean, the cardio is definitely a factor. That guy's motor is insane. But for me, what was super surprising in this fight was I think the development of of uh, Marab's striking, which we didn't see a lot of because he did a lot of the same things in this fight that he did against Aldo. But I feel like it's Aldo. He really never really pieced it together on the feet. And again, he wasn't all, it, you know, he, he shoots 49 takedowns, but he's not like. He's not very successful with them. You know, he'll get a takedown here and there, but, you know, maybe it's just against guys that have great takedown defense in Jan and Aldo. But it's, yeah, it's it's a combination of everything. I thought his hands looked great. Obviously, his cardio is insane. Um, and, yeah, I mean, his hands just kind of, you know, the striking in the hands went back and forth. I mean, I think he really froze Jan in this fight with just his feints and, and the fear of the takedown um, being pushed up against the cage. I mean, yeah, dude, he, he looked freaking amazing. Last yeah. night. Yeah, and to your point, he, he only landed 11 takedowns, right? Like, he went 11 right. of 49. That's not, that's never a great number, and it's actually less takedowns than he typically gets, right? Like, he typically gets, you know, a few more takedowns than that, and I, I think you're right. I think it wound up being the feints and the level, like, the fake level change into, like, an overhand right or a fake level change into a jab. He, he was doing a whole lot of that, and it was certainly keeping Jan on his heels. It looked like he had Jan's eye swelled shut. That's something I, yeah, it's something I never, ever would have seen coming here. So, um, yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy how this fight went down. Now, it seems like Marab's only next moves, because, like, this is a performance that would win him a title shot in a normal era. Am I wrong about that? No, I, I absolutely think he's deserving of a title shot. It's just, uh, you know, which I'm sure you're going to talk about now. But, yeah, it's what do you do, right? I, I think it's got to be right. The answer has got to be the winner of Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Vera, right? Because the, apart from that, who else could there be? He turned Aldo away. He's now turned Piotr Jan away. I mean, unless you're giving him Sean O'Malley. And if I'm Sean O'Malley, over my dead body am I signing on that line right now and giving my title shot away? to that cardio King. So like, I, I think he's got to find a way to keep himself busy for all the, or Aldo to fight both Henry Cejudo, which we know now is happening. Uh, I think in May in New Jersey. And then, you know, the, the follow-up fight probably, you know, sometime late summer, early fall against Sugar Sean. And then he probably vacates the belt for him and he moves up to 45 or whatever. And then Marab can go for it. But, like, how is he going to keep himself busy? Like, if he fights Corey Sanhagen, like, that's one fight. What else is there after that? Or if he fights Marlon Vera, that's one fight. Who else is after that? Yeah, it's tricky, man. Like you said, you know, there's no way in hell that Sean, Sean O'Malley is ever <laughs> take, taking a Marab fight. I mean, as great as Sean O'Malley looked against Piotr Jan, it's, it's a terrible, terrible stylistic matchup for him. So, yeah, it's got to be the winner of probably, yeah, Marlon and uh, Corey. And then, you know, who knows? Does he have to take one more after that? It's it's kind of crazy. But, you know, I respect it. The two uh, teammates not wanting to fight each other. But, I mean, this has got to be one of the uh, biggest cases of, like, a guy clearly deserving a title shot that, you know, it's just it's just not going to happen right now based on uh, who the champ is and not wanting to fight each other. Yeah, and I'm looking down the Bantamweight rankings right now, and I don't see anybody who's ready for that run. Like, 
you know, the, the names in the top 10, Pedro Munoz, uh, Sonia Dong, uh, Dominic Cruz, Rob Font, they're, they're, you know, with the exception of Sonia Dong, those are all guys who are on the way down, not on the way up, most likely. And then you get to the edge of the top 10. I mean, maybe Ricky Simon, that, that wind up being a rematch at the end of the day. You know, like maybe somebody like that or Umar Nurmagomedov or, hey, maybe Jonathan Martinez makes a run up. But like, yeah, it just seems like there's not a lot there. So um, I'm going to ask you one more question about this. But before I do so, I do have to let you guys know uh, WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. Be on the lookout for WinBet's Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time during WinBet Win Hour. Marquee games of the week have better odds on WinBet, and that's giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here, so there's so many ways to bet the big dance. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And, of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. And there's so much to choose from. And all you have to do is head on over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And also our DGEN dance is up. That's right. The DGEN dance for March Madness bankroll contest is back. Feel free to enter for $1,000 in cash and prizes up to for grabs. And it's 100% free. Plus, we've got first half unders bingo where you can win an SGPN gift card. And both of those contests are available on the SGPN app. So, like I said, I got one more question when it comes to Marab in in Aljo, right? Because, like like you said, this is very clearly one in one A in this division. Who would you pick if in this theoretical match, if Dana White could do what he wants to do, what he was trying to sow the seeds for in that post-fight interview? It who would you pick in that fight right now? That's a good question. I think I think I'd kind of go back. Well, I was gonna say I'd kind of go back to to what I was what I was saying in the last the previous show breaking down this fight was I think that Aljo's striking is a little bit more advanced. Um, he's a little bit quicker on the feet. Man, Marav's striking looks really good, but again, you know the forty nine takedowns are impressive, but I I find it hard to believe that somewhere in one of those scrambles, Aljo is not taking Rob's back. Um, I would favor Aljo, uh, honestly. And again, I can't even like, I feel like he'd have to put, we've seen Rob go out before, right? I feel like he'd have to put Rob out cold, but uh, I mean, yeah, I think it'd be a fun fight. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a grappler. I love grappling. I think the scrambles in that fight would be unreal, but uh, you know, I think, I think Aljo is probably just a little bit more explosive in a lot of those positions and, and that would lead into victory. But I don't think we're going to get to see it. Maybe I kind of hope we do. That'd be fun. But I, I think it would be so fun, uh, especially, you know, like you said, I, I'm a grappler. I prefer grappling over striking, you know, all the time. So, like, of course, I would like to see this fight. I'm with you. I think I lean ever so slightly to Jose Aldo. Uh, but like, or Jose Aldo, <laughs> Aljermaine Sterling, Aljo, not Aldo, uh, Aljermaine Sterling, I lean ever so slightly in his way. But like. Man, Marab just proved me wrong real bad this weekend because uh, obviously we were both on the the Piotr Jan line here. But like, you know, who knows? And uh, unfortunately, we'll probably never see it. Now, what we did unfortunately have to see was the ballot of the Alexanders. Alexander Volkov uh, picks up a TKO stoppage in the first round over Alexander Romanov, who I think decided after not scoring a takedown that he was just cool and he didn't need to fight anymore. Uh 
this is obviously a big step up for him in terms of who he was fighting. He he fought Marcin Tybura last time, lost, and somehow got somebody higher ranked. The UFC seemed keen on this dude. So, like, what, what do we make of Romanoff at this point? Like, is he just – is this dude just cooked? Dude, I was keen on him, man. I mean, up to that Ty, Tybura fight, I mean, he was – blowing through dudes you know he wasn't fighting the volkovs of the world but i mean he had a couple like veterans you know on his record guys that know how to fight you know jared vendera chase sherman i mean again they're those guys are never getting to the top 10 but they're competent heavyweights that know how to fight and romanov was just blowing through them and then he gets to the type four fight and doesn't look all that great and in this fight it just looked i mean he, he honestly he looked terrible he shot that yeah it, like you said it looked like if he wasn't getting that initial takedown that was it. I mean, he just literally let Volkov circle to his back and uh, got pounded out from there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's still young enough, right? He's only 32 years old, which as a heavyweight that, you know, really, really hasn't young. taken that much damage is, is very young. So I think he could turn it around. He does seem to have the skills. But again, like sometimes you're your own worst enemy. And maybe if, if there's something going on where he can't get over the hump of himself. Yeah, he might. He might. I, I have no idea. Yeah, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head here with with what's his biggest issue is that, like, I said after watching that, I was like, this is not a skill problem. If, if he backed up and shot another takedown or if he, you know, tried to get his hands going a little bit more, who who knows what happens in this fight? But he missed that first initial single leg, and it looked like he was like, oh, no, this is the Tybura thing again. I'm getting stuffed on my takedowns. It's over. Uh, and it looked like he was looking for an out because, I, I mean, like, Volkov is not a good grappler, right? Like even by heavyweight standards, he's not great on the ground. So to have that guy circle to your back and not get up seems real bad. So I, I feel like this is a dude clearly needs like a mental coach or needs to get over some kind of mental hump because like it's a shame to see such incredible skills kind of go to waste because he's an amazing wrestler. He's a great wrestler. So to see this happen, uh, huge bummer. So um, we also missed that one. We missed most things on the main card. You did not miss this next one, which is uh, the catchweight fight between Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann. Sloppy light heavyweight action at its absolute finest. Um, I, I feel like this fight kind of could have gone either way at any point in time. Uh, what did what did you make of uh, this finish? Does it look good for Krylov or was it just sloppy as all hell? I mean, listen, it was a fight between two top 10 heavyweights, right? I think they're both ranked or light heavyweights. I'm sorry. Both yeah. ranked in the, you know, in the lower half of the heavyweight division, I thought, you know, Ryan, Ryan Spann had a good look on that guillotine early. And yeah, I mean, the, I, what else was this fight going to be? Right. It was going to be, <laughs> it was going to be a sloppy special. We, we didn't see it going five rounds, still didn't see it going three rounds and it didn't go three rounds. I thought the triangle setup was a uh, nice and it kind of, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this is this is this is Krylov. He he beats most of the guys he's supposed to, but then when he jumps up a little bit, he generally loses. Those guys are the guys that are able to expose his flaws. I kind of said last time that I, I didn't think Ryan Spann was that guy, and he almost proved me wrong, but in the end he didn't. Um, yeah, it's a nice win for Krylov. It gets him, you know, probably to that. I don't know if if you know if I'm looking at the rankings, a guy in that you know what seven to ten range. Which yeah. six to ten range, you know, it, he'll do well. It probably gets him a dance with somebody like, you know, the the Anthony Smiths of the world, right? Like, like that that kind of like feels like what you probably do with somebody like this next. He's beaten Ozdemir, he's beaten Ryan Span, uh, he's he's lost to Ankalaev. So like, you know, there, there's your sweet spot somewhere in between those guys. I was gonna at, say, um, 
maybe like a Rakic coming back. Oh you know, yeah, Rakic might be a, a good fight to come back to. And, and the timeline on on Rakic is is probably getting pretty close because I know he went out with that knee injury freakishly right around the same time Tom Aspinall did. Right. And I know I know I've seen Tom Aspinall posting about being back, and they weren't identical knee injuries, but like you know torn ligaments in the knee, um, kind of similarly. So uh, yeah, hopefully that anything always works with Krilov. He's going to be entertaining no matter what. Um, another entertaining one, Jonathan Martinez versus Sadner Magomedov. This one, uh, some people questioned the judges' scorecards on this one, and I want to get your take on it. Uh, Jonathan Martinez clearly could have won two rounds, and, and by the judges' accounts, he did, right? Like, he, he won two rounds on the judges' scorecards. Did you think it was going to be Jonathan Martinez's name read when they said unanimous decision 29-28? I thought it was super close. I honestly thought they were going to give it to Nurmagomedov. But again, it could—it could, really could have went either way. I thought Jonathan Martinez fought really well in this fight. You know, I think he was – I think Jonathan Martinez is probably better than a lot of us, you know, probably had it in think, thought he – or thought he is. And then, you know, Saeed is probably a little – you know, maybe he's not from the same tier of Smash Factory that some of the other uh, – Nurmagomedov's are because I did confirm he is not directly related to the uh the Khabib family yeah because he, he he's like the kickboxing Nurmagomedov right he's, right. he's like an honorary one gas but... tanks gas tanks a little weary yeah wh- that was the part I think that surprised me the most about him is that like his gas tank didn't look real great and then uh, I ultimately knew the first round went to said the knew the second round went to Jonathan Martinez at the end of the day I was like the third round comes down to whether or not you heavily weigh that armbar attempt, that triangle and armbar attempt that that Jonathan Martinez put in. And I think all three judges did. They saw that and they were like, it's close enough on the feet that a good deep submission that made Sadner Megamedov really work out of it was enough to sway the third round. So I didn't I didn't think it was going to happen in real time. Afterwards, going back and watching a bit, I can see how it can happen. So, uh, yeah, but but it, nevertheless, just like a super entertaining fight. It was a lot of fun to watch, um, as most of these were. Now, before we get into a couple more of the ones that were super fun to watch, let me tell you that this episode is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. The college pickup is a great way to get out of the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGP for an 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. All right. So as I said, uh, we have got to get into a couple more of these fights. Uh, not much to be said about this one. Mario Batista outgrappled Guido Canetti. Saw it coming. Knew it was going to come. Uh, said he deserves a top 15 ranking after this. Do you think he does after beating Guido Canetti? <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think, uh, you know, beating Guido Canetti necessarily gets him into the top 15. But maybe getting a fight against someone at the lower end of 15 and dude, even if you look at the lower end of bantamweight, I mean, dude, sitting at 11 is Umar Nurmagomedov. Like Adrian Yanez at 12, Chris Gutierrez at 13, Jack Shore, you know, like those are all really good names. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe he fights like a Jack Shore or something or Chris Gutierrez. You know, I don't think he gets him into the top 15, though. No. Impressive yeah. performance nonetheless, but we got to look at who he's facing. Yeah, and the aforementioned Jonathan Martinez not in those rankings. You know, just beat Sedner Megamedov. Like, you, you Which could, is a more impressive win, right? Definitely a more impressive win. And uh, I would say, you know, not as dominant, but definitely, like, 
the way he fought him and how good he looked in it. Yeah, definitely looked better than Mario Batista. Um, just choking the hell out of uh, Guido Kennedy in no time. And not for anything, too. I, I hate to, like, bring up people's losses because that always feels bad. It was only two years ago he got knocked out by Trevin Jones, who I'm pretty sure is not in the UFC anymore. Like, sometimes that kind of thing holds you back, especially in a division like welterweight. Um, next up is our fight of the night, believe it or not. Vitor Petrino defeated Anton Dracali, 30-26, 30-27, 30-27, unanimous across the board. Uh, it somehow got fight of the night, I'm pretty sure, just because uh, Dana White enjoys watching some dude take brain trauma, as is evident by his... Uh, his slap TV show, um, because this was about as close to no defense as I could possibly see out of a fighter. Anton Tercali clearly has got some grappling chops, but man, does this dude need to learn how to pull up a guard uh, when he's boxing. Uh, do, do you think there's any future for either of these light heavyweights? I mean, dude, the fight was super fun, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not like insane. I, I Vitor Petrino, I mean, the guy is crazy. There was like, like, I feel like, Turkali kind of looked like the more like sturdy fighter, better cardio throughout the fight, but like somehow, some way, just Petrino just got those bursts of action and uh, dude found a way to win. Uh, found a way to win the fight. Um, yeah, I don't think there's probably not like title implications in either of these guys' future, but I, you know, I think they're fun, competent fighters. I'm, I'm interested to see Petrino fight again. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys who, like those big explosions you were talking about. And in the past, they've knocked everybody out. I think the reason this is fight of the night is because somehow Tertali took those punches. Yeah, I thought he was done in the first round. Like, there was that one exchange where Petrino landed, like, seven unanswered punches. And I was like, oh, man. He was hitting him like one of those, like, sock and boppers that I had when I was <laughs> yeah. a kid. Like, it was, dude, it was insane. But, uh, yeah, like, at the end of the day, he he's just not. He, he's not a complete fighter yet, but maybe he's young enough. He's only 25, um, but those big bursts will win him fights he's not supposed to win. Uh, speaking of fights that nobody seemed to want to win or nobody should win, uh, Carl Williams uh, did a pretty boring grappling game against Lucas Brezky. Uh, we both said we enjoy grappling. Uh, I didn't enjoy this grappling too much. This is a fight which was really weird for me because Carl Williams is a height heavyweight. He had that fun win over Jimmy Lawson that made us look really bad on Contender Series. But now they made him stay at heavyweight. And I was like, this is a dude who needs to be at 205. Am I wrong? No, and we said that, you know, last episode, you know, he's weighing probably around like 230, 225 or something. Yeah, I definitely think he should go down to, um, you know, go down to lay heavyweight. And again, Bresky wasn't even like a big heavyweight. It's like. You know, if he gets matched up with those, one of those monster heavyweights in his next fight where he can't grapple like that, you know, now you start taking some wind out of sails. You know, the guy looks like he could be, you know, a little bit something there, but I definitely think he does have to go down to lay heavyweight. I don't think heavyweight's the right weight class for him at all. Yep, yep, agreed entirely. And the worst part about all of that is, of course, he took to his post-fight interview and said the literal exact opposite of what we're saying right now. He felt better at ever at heavyweight knew that uh, not cutting weight made him a much better fighter, and he can't wait to stay at his new home of heavyweight. So more of that to look forward to. We'll have, we'll have to check back in on him when he fights one of those, like, 258-pound monsters. Yeah, just, like, dude, put him in there with Romanoff. Trying to even think. Yeah. Like. <laughs> like, Romanoff. Romanoff wants to quit in these fights, dude. He would still pancake this man. Um, you know, like, I, I mean, th some of the guys you mentioned who had fought Romanoff in the past, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, like, would just, you know, that dude's huge. He's right. a big 260 or you yeah, know 255. Huge. Like that's a big dude. 
this guy's not going to want any of that. Like, I'm glad they found him a first fight that was down in his size range, but that, dude, this ain't it. Um, what was it was Davy Grant doing maybe one of the greatest comebacks in MMA history down two rounds. He lost the first. He lost the second. He had a point taken away from the third. And somehow they allowed him to stand up after taking that point away. He sinks in an inverted triangle choke, puts Rafael Asuncao out with 17 seconds left, uh, puts him out cold, retires him. This has got to be up there in the greatest comebacks of all time, but I'm going to give you the chance to say, is that on Davy Grant or is that on some nonsense Keith Peterson? <laughs> Man, I almost uh, almost hit the uh, the uh, old underdog pick in that one. Um, I guess a little bit of both, right? I mean, Grant Grant got got the opportunity that was awarded to him by Keith Peterson, and boy, did he deliver on that. I mean, dude, Davy Grant, man, is just a fun ass fighter. Like he's well rounded. He's tough as hell, and obviously he's got that no-quit no, no quit mentality. He's fighting to the end, found a way to win. That's, I mean, that's got to be submission of the year frontrunner, right? Or at least, like, top three. Again, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right here on the spot, but, dude, that sub was, like, beautiful, especially with the, uh, you know, he puts the Sun Tzu completely to sleep, the stakes, he's down big at the end of the round, end of the fight, like, absolute madness. Yeah, and it, it's definitely number one for me right now because it's got so many things in it. It's like, you know, you're tapping out a legend in Rafael Sunsau, a guy who fought in WEC, who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Davey Grant, by the way, a brown belt. Uh, not that there's any shame in being a brown belt in MMA, but like, you know, he's like a brown belt in the gi. He's not like a jiu-jitsu guy, although he does have quite a few submissions if you go back to his regional scene. But man, yeah, you're you're right about him being fun and just not quitting because like, you go back to that fight that he had on Fight Island when he was the first fight on Fight Island, got his jaw broken in the second round, comes back and knocks out Martin Day in the third. I mean, he's got a win over Jonathan Martinez, who was on this main card. He knocked him out after getting the crap beat out of him for a while. I mean, arguably, you could say he he hung in and possibly beat Adrian Yanez in that fight. Wait, and he now, has a win over uh, Cheeto, too. Uh, I, he has a decision loss over Cheeto Vera. Oh yeah, no, he, he has a win. He beat him too. Yeah, he's oh, won shit, with he Cheeto. fought twice. And even in that second Cheeto fight, like he was getting his ass beat and all bloodied up, and the guy's still in the fight. Like really, really fun fighter. Yeah, and in and you know it's worth noting too. He also got a performance bonus for this one. So like huge, huge feather in his cap. I believe it's his his fifth performance bonus in six fights or six fifth bonus in six fights. Like, I mean, he's just a fans fighter and he's like a super nice guy too, right? Like he's, he's so, so kind. He's always so friendly. Um, yeah. So super happy for Davy Grant. Don't know where he goes from here, but you know, I'm excited to see wherever it is. Um, I'm not necessarily excited to see where these two middleweights go next. Uh, Josh Fremd, Possibly saved his career with his first ever UFC win. He picks up a guillotine choke three minutes into that second round over Cedricus Dumas. Dumas, speaking of guys like Alexander Romanov, who were like, oof, like I, I just, I thought you had it. And all of a sudden when you can't do the one thing you want, like big oof, right? Like just suddenly has no other plans. And it kind of seemed that way with Dumas. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, super talented on the feet, very explosive. But once uh, that didn't start going for, or, you know, going away for him, we kind of talked about it. Um, you know, he had a lot of finishes on his record, but they were all early finishes, right? So you didn't really get a chance to see the full tape heading into this. And I think, you know, Frem, 
credit to him, man. I, I think he showed a lot of the blueprint to beat Dumas. And, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of it starts with the ground game and the grappling because, uh, you know, Frem just kind of ran through him. Absolutely. Speaking of ground game and grappling, Victor Henry defeats Tony Gravely in a fight that had a little bit less grappling than I thought, but still quite a bit of it. Split decision in a weird one. No, none of the judges agreeing on these scorecards. 30-27, 29-28, and 29, uh, 28-29, rather. One, that last one being for Gravely. Um, I mean, fun fight. Both of these guys just kind of didn't put a stamp on any of the rounds to sort of make them their own. And, and I think that kind of was their undoing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not much to say about the fight. I thought it was a fun fight. Um, no problem with the decision, really. I like Victor Henry, though. He's. Uh, I kind of wish there was more grappling. I, like you said, I, I did expect there would be more. Yeah, and, and that was my front runner for fight of the night until uh, Vitor Petrino. And actually, I actually thought it was more skilled than Vitor Petrino and Turkali, so I probably still would have given it to him. But um, that brings us to a fight where we could not have been more wrong. Uh, and you know, I, I think this is another big oof. Perhaps that's, uh, the title of this episode, the big oof. Um, Ariane Lipsky was once again, KSW Ariane Lipsky, uh, after not being that KSW Ariane Lipsky for seemingly her whole stay in the UFC. Uh, and not only does she wind up beating JJ Aldrich, she stuffs every takedown JJ Aldrich throws her way. She lights her up like a Christmas tree on the feet. I mean, like, am I wrong saying this Lipsky looked like she could beat ranked flyweights? Am, am I wrong in, in jumping that gun already? No, and like you said, I mean, this is this is kind of the Lipsky that we had expected coming into the UFC, and she just did not, um, you know, deliver on that. But she's still young enough to where I, I think she can. And, you know, Alder just came out super, super flat. And Lipsky, yeah, she stopped every takedown, lit her up on the feet. She's only 29 years old. Hoping that this sparks a, a bit of a run from her. Because, yeah, I mean, dude, looking at the, uh, the division's rankings, I mean, you know, Cynthia Calvillo at 15, Tracy Cortez at 14, Macy Barber at 13. The way I, she looked, I, might, I absolutely... I, her, I would pick her to beat Macy Barber looking like that. and you uh, That's what, right, exactly. People who listen to this show know I hate on Macy Barber every chance I possibly can. But, like, to be fair, that version of Ariane Lipsky is a 20 times better striker than Macy Barber is. And the striking would play so well that I think it would, it would stifle the grappling of Macy Barber. So yeah, give me that version. And it's so crazy to say that because I'm saying this right now and I'm looking back at her record. This is a woman who not two full years ago, less than two full years ago, got TKO'd by Montana De La Rosa and Antonina Shevchenko in a two fight run. She got finished in the second round of both of those fights. And here she is lighting Aldridge up like she wasn't even there. Yeah, she looked great, man. She really did. And speaking of looking great, Bruno Gustavo da Silva. Man, did he look good in this fight. I don't know who we saw for Bruno Silva in his first two fights in the UFC. Because he went 0-2 in the UFC, losing to David Dvorak and Takira Labakov. Since then, this dude's a man on fire. He's got three straight finishes, three straight performance bonuses. And this one comes against Tyson Nam. Front kicks him in the teeth jumps on his back and chokes him cold like this this guy's got to be ranked now at flyweight am i wrong yeah absolutely and you know tyson nam was ranked uh 15th so i absolutely think so these three wins have been super impressive and then uh i mean if you you know there's a couple guys in that lower end of the uh you know top 10 to 15 range that would be awesome fights with uh the silva but yeah man i mean he looked great everywhere super super brutal finish too i mean the 
way he set that up on the feet, um, getting the rear naked choke, man, really nice. Yeah, that th- I saw a freeze frame of that front kick, which I'm pretty sure you can check out on oh, my yeah. Twitter, Twitter <laughs> account at SGPN MMA if you're not already following. It's so bad. It's like a it's like a Frankie Edgar getting front kick kind of one, or um, it's almost better. It's like it's like him like smiling in like this maniacal <laughs> way. It's like oh, it's terrible, <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, and I love Tyson Nam, but man, that was a a huge moment for you know like. Not not for anything. Not not that I only root for younger fighters, but this is a guy who's a little bit less, you know, uh, less miles on the tires and probably has a chance to make a little bit better of a run up this division. Now, uh, we do uh, because we have to talk about every fight. We do, unfortunately, have to talk about Carlson Harris beating Jared Gooden 30-27 um, across the board to kick off the night. I mean, he won this fight, but like, did this lower his stock, in your opinion? What were those? standing hammer fists he was throwing it was something out of uh that trevor peaks playbook i feel like yeah uh, not not the most <laughs> impressive performance but maybe we can chalk it up to him fighting a guy on last minute notice that missed weight yeah and, and I, he I think... kind of tried to fight a little bit conservative i don't know I, i'm still relatively high on carlson harris i think he has a lot of power and uh yeah i'm gonna chalk it up to that i think yeah and somebody said in our discord too uh you know just like awkward or fighters look awkward fighting awkward fighters uh and and i think that's exactly what we saw here he he looked bad uh fighting an awkward fighter so that uh as i said puts a nail in the coffin on ufc las vegas yan versus devolish philly uh like i said our night not so great but we did hit one lock in that spread and we're of course going to give you all of the breakdown of a massively large UFC 286 card coming this upcoming Wednesday. Quick rundown of the card before we let you go. Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman. Gaethje versus Fiziev. Uh, Gunnar Nelson versus Brian Barberena. Jennifer Maya versus Casey O'Neill and Marvin Vittori against Roman Delize. That's the main card. The 10-fight ESPN Plus prelims. Jack Shore, Makwan Amirakani, Chris Duncan, Omar Morales, Sam Patterson versus Dianal Ashmov. Mohamed Mokaev versus Jafal Filo. We got Lerone Murphy and Gabriel Santos. Chris Leroy Duncan, not to be confused with the previous Chris Duncan. Dushko Tavorovich, Malcolm Gordon, Jake Hadley, Joanne Wood versus Luana Carolina. Jai Herbert versus uh, Ludovic Klein. And Ultimate Fighter winner Juliana Miller fighting Veronica Macedo coming out of retirement to kick off these prelims. It's an insane card. It's happening super early. You can catch the first set of prelims at 1 p.m., is there a fight uh, that sticks out maybe outside of the the main event that you're most excited for? Um, I mean, it's it's got to be that uh, Fiziev fight, man. Yeah, and, and, yeah it's just <laughs> you know, if you if you want me to go a a, a different route, I would go with uh, Muhammad Makayev because I, I think that guy is all the goods. Um, but yeah, that Gaethje Fiziev fight is just going to be so good on so many levels, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, but Gunnar Nelson coming back. Always a Gunnar Nelson guy. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit bummed he's not fighting Daniel Rodriguez. Like, he was originally supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez. That's a sick fight. Brian Barberena, eh. Brian Barberena sometimes has grappling issues. And if that's the case, you're fighting Gunnar Nelson, a guy you don't want to have grappling issues with. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited about that one. Mokaya fighting. I like Jake Hadley versus Malcolm Gordon. That one's weird and, you know, a fun flyweight fight. Um, Gabriel Santos making his UFC debut. I know we've been chatting about him uh, in the Discord, talking about his LFA run to the LFA title. Man, they he, they gave, they put him right to the... Uh... 
right yeah, there's, the woodshed too. They're Jesus. sending them right in there. And you know what too? Here's the craziest thing. And I got to mention this. I know we're, we're running over just a tiny bit and we're going to wrap it up, but I saw the posted lined odds to start. And this is just tells you what a prospect he is because you got a guy coming in here, short notice fighting Lerone Murphy, right? What do you, what do you think the line is right now on Lerone Murphy? Ooh, that's a good question. I'll say minus 185. Only negative 155. You could get Gabriel Santos on 10 days notice fighting overseas against a guy in his hometown in Lerone Murphy, who's fought some dudes, right? Like, it's not Lerone Murphy. You know, this is a guy who fought Maquan Americani and Douglas De Silva de Andrade and Ricardo Hamos and Zabiro Tugoth. And he's still only a plus 135 underdog. Like, that just tells you how the bookmakers know that this dude is the man. So it's going to be a sick fight. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked for it. This whole card is really good, honestly. Yeah. Should be violence, should be weird fights, uh, and hopefully should be slightly better picks than we had this week. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening in on us, uh, looking back at some of our big oofs of this week. Uh, we also appreciate you guys following along on our Twitter at SGPN MMA. And of course you can catch me at Gumby Vreeland and Kurt at KCPKO all on the Twitters. Uh, like I said, you can check us out in the discord. Make sure you read everything that we have on the sports gambling podcast network.com. I've got some, uh, some basketball and some baseball articles going up there over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you check those out as well as, you know, we dropped some DraftKings type stuff for, uh, for MMA as well. Um, and you know, make sure you get in the prop contest next week. We had a little bit smaller of a showing this week and nobody hit their big props. So make sure you check those out and we'll be back again tomorrow with an Invicta 52 breakdown. We're going to break down four of our favorite fights on that Invicta card, including some really great prospects. So make sure to tune into that. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He's Kurt Chase Patrick, and we will catch you then.